We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? It's Jax Ramsey's, well, quasi-live. We're not doing this live because Brandon has uh, kids, and that's not going to happen. So it's me and Jake Fisher, uh, Jake, Fisher Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report, and also uh, the author, uh, again, of a wonderful little book that I actually have in my studio right now, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever, which is a really poignant thing because, uh, hey, Jake, the Portland Trailblazers may be tanking right now. Um, obviously, the team that had came into the season with very, very different um, goals, uh, the termination of, of Neil O'Shea in December, uh, the uh, anointing, if, of, if you will, of Joe Cronin is the still interim GM, uh, one, two, three, four months later, and uh, a massive overhaul of the Portland Trailblazers roster, and you had a lot of intel around the trade deadline of what the Trailblazers were looking at, what, what they got done, what they were trying to get done. I wanted to bring you in real quick uh, just to kind of frame where the Trailblazers are at because right now it's 18 games left in the season for the Trailblazers. They will not be making the playoffs. There's a very strong likelihood that their pick is going to land before the lottery, somewhere between 6 and 8. But just looking at it, this is a team in 18 games. They have a legitimate chance to not win a game the rest of the season. They have found ways to sit guys. They are talent-wise on any given night as we're recording here after the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, loss or win, I should say, by 43 points of the Trailblazers. Uh, their starting lineup featured uh, two 10-day guys, one 10, or, or excuse me, two two-way guys, a two-way guy who had his two-way contract converted, a 10-day hardship player in Drew Eubanks, and a NBA rotation player in Josh Hart. That was it. <laughs> this is, um, I, want, I, want, I want to ask you this, because I look at this team right now, and I think talent-wise, without Anthony Simons, um, they are the least talented team in the NBA right now, falling behind even the likes of OKC, Detroit, and Orlando. Do you agree? It's a hard argument to make <laughs> on the other side, right? Um, it's funny. You know, I remember there was one season, I forget where it was, but either 13-14 or 14-15 or 15-16, mm-hmm. when the Sixers were in the process years and I was covering the team for Liberty Ballers mm-hmm. at SB Nation. I remember writing a blog that I thought they were going to go 0-31 to end the season, which they didn't. But, um, you know, to your point about they might not win a game again, I, I was there with another team. So I don't blame you for thinking it. Uh, listen, realistically, they'll probably pick up two. They do have an 11-game stretch where they play the Rockets twice, I believe the Thunder twice, the Spurs twice. They're going to step into some things right there where – Listen, those teams are are not very good as well. Uh, and on any given night, uh, it's the NBA. These guys are still good. They're still trying to earn their bones in the NBA. Um, but 
this is obviously a very, very different situation from where the Portland Trailblazers uh, thought they would find themselves. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is around the trade deadline, the Blazers obviously cleared the table. They send C.J. McCollum to uh, New Orleans along with Larry Nance Jr. Uh, they bring back Josh Hart. They bring back up, up strangely protected picks and some salary ballast. A couple weeks removed from that, how do you feel about that trade for the Portland Trailblazers? Not really for the immediacy, but just like taking a step back, 30,000-foot view. It was, was that, within the framework of, of trying to get C.J. McCollum to a place that made sense, the best place to send him to for what the return the Trailblazers got? You know, just like with Portland, I think with Karis LeVert's deal that happened before that, the Cavs were talking with Indy for weeks and right before it went down there was all of a sudden talk about dallas so mm -hmm. i started i started to get a little bit thrown off by the dynamic i said well everyone's saying cleveland where's this dallas coming from and then someone said new york but then it was cleveland but then it was cleveland at the end and hindsight the next day you know in conversations of people talking to people with those teams you know the knicks and the mavericks kind of were involved in the 11th hour kind of you know i, I don't know exactly how it happened but clearly the pacers were evaluating those offers and I, it, it seems pretty clear the pressure that maybe Dallas and New York didn't apply, but that just emerged from other teams being in those conversations helped get that deal done with Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Same thing kind of happened with Portland being that, I mean, New Orleans and CJ were, were clearly a marriage that seemed to be one, at least New Orleans wanted for a long time. For at least um, a year. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, I didn't really honestly get true, true, like significant wind of it until December or so like mm -hmm. I mean I, you know there's interest that goes out there but in terms of like the Pelicans want CJ that started coming up around December or so when Dame's um that's that's when his a little, a little before he he was shut down I, I had heard about it like December 22nd 23rd like pre-Christmas yeah so that, that again I'm, I'm going off the top of my yeah, head all no. the seasons were together but it's good I, I focus on one team you focus on 30. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's good that that my recollection matches yes. up with you so I think ultimately um, when started to get word of New York and Atlanta, I believe it was that Sunday night, um, or it was Monday night, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever the night was before, um, Atlanta word started to pop out. I remember Stein put out something in the morning that like scooped me <laughs> in the Atlanta interest. And I was, or maybe he said New York, New York on that one. Yeah. I had Atlanta. Yep. Um, but I really do think that, um, the Knicks and the Hawks, um, coming together. And I mean, I don't know how much better to, to really answer your question. I don't know how much better those Knicks offers really would have been being that um, the Hawks package, it seemed, you know, to go along with the fact that Portland was pretty, clearly messaging that they did not want to take back any long-term salary mm -hmm. really, but it would have been something like Danilo Gallinari and Darrell Wright um, and a first round pick. Mm -hmm. And maybe only the pick that they got in return for Cam Reddish. So I don't know how much better, that package would have necessarily been um, from what New Orleans um, eventually did give. The Knicks were trying to offload bad salary. That's all they were trying to do. Um, and clearly, I mean, would Alec Burks and Kemba have really gotten, you know, they just didn't have that um, expiring. I mean, when I told someone with New Orleans that the Knicks were a serious bidder, quote unquote, the Pelicans person kind of laughed and said, like, they don't have anything that's going to get a deal done with Portland. So, yeah. If it really was only Atlanta and New Orleans, I, I think it can't really fault um, the, port, uh, the the Blazers for what they got back. I mean, in terms of the overall haul, you can haggle always with the little valuations and sure. the pick situations. And, you know, you could say the fact that 
they gave up a first for Larry Nance and they only got back one first for CJ McCollum and Larry Nance. Like you could haggle with that, but you know, circumstances change. Larry's out for this season with injury. Mm-hmm. You wanted to make a move now to try to reset your roster moving forward to this off season. That I know you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So I think that's might've really been the best they could have done. Now, I think that's what's kind of, that's why I'm glad you went through all those steps because I wanted to kind of set the table for the framework of what the Trailblazers have been trying to do. And I saw a lot of people were very angry about what Portland's return was because CJ is this, CJ is that. I had heard even as much as last year that New Orleans was willing to offer Lonzo and Hart a year ago. And so as CJ gets older and he gets into his 30s and obviously Lonzo leaves for nothing, um, yeah. you know, essentially in that return – um, those are the kind of assets they they come and go, and if you don't strike when they're there, then you kind of like you know got you got to get off the pot situation. But you know, as far just, not, not to interrupt you, but just to stop you there. Now that my memory's mm-hmm. jogged by you saying that, I mean the Pelicans were clearly not very interested in bringing back Lonzo no. Ball, and if I mean Neil O'Shea historically was very reticent to give up CJ McCollum. Very. So, yes, I I don't have this a hundred percent sourced, but connecting dots of intel in my head, hearing you say that if. The, if the Blazers did call up or, or call up uh, New Orleans, excuse me, at the deadline or um, at the maybe not the deadline, but in that sign and trade window mm-hmm. where, I mean, I don't want to get too specific in terms of tampering details of, of the datelines. No, 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 they're definitely not. It was definitely not. in the, uh, the the moratorium period where teams were allowed to talk. Exactly. <laughs> if if the Blazers broached that subject during uh-huh. then and said, hey, we are we are interested in that. I'd have to imagine, based off of what I know, the Pelicans would have listened loud and clear. Facilitated that loud and clear. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that, I wanted to say that it's like this is this is something that has been working for a long time, and this is a destination basketball wise that made sense for CJ McCollum, and he's a guy who's been with the, with the franchise for essentially a decade. They didn't want to send him to basketball purgatory. They probably could have sent him somewhere else to another team and maybe gotten a later pick or another young player or some more guaranteed guaranteed salary. What Joe Cronin has done is cleared the deck. And this, this franchise has not cleared the deck like this ever in modern basketball. And like you said, you, you, you wrote a book about how the tanking era kind of changed <laughs> this and this, have you seen a team outside of the warriors do it kind of the way the blazers have done this? I, I've kind of run through this and the warriors is the only team that I can come to who have, who have made a, a hard, hard shift mid-season of like, nope, this ain't it. We're going to get an asset and see what happens. Is there any other team that has really gone that way? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Not necessarily with a big star player on their roster with Dame involved. I mean, the recent examples are Orlando last year just deciding to pull the plug, right, and move off of Vooch and Fournier and Aaron Gordon when they they, they truly went into that season. I think they started off pretty hot. The, the Magic always in that Vucevic era <laughs> started off the season well, and then injuries would happen and what have you. But, you know, I, I think the Magic, you know, clearly did a big about face of where they wanted to go. Obviously, the Blazers are in such a – interesting situation being that similar to the Warriors when Steph got hurt mm-hmm. or even Toronto last year where, you know, I, I don't want to say the Raptors tanked, but they weren't really trying to win games um, or they, they were happy to to not compete for the play-in tournament. Sure. Let's say that. And, and, and you know, they weren't egregiously losing games and pulling lineup stuff that, you know, we have seen other teams do, but in the Raptors clearly wanted to get, higher up into that lottery rather than chasing the 10 C just to be roadkill for some postseason, you know, behemoth. And they got some lottery luck and it turned into Scotty Barnes. But I think with Portland, yeah, like what they're doing is especially how much cap space they have opened up. It's what, like $60 million. If they, if they, if they, if they pull it all back functionally, it's about exactly. 38, 40. But again, that's when, when that's, that's the next step I was going to get to here is, is, with the deal of obviously sending Covington and Powell to to L.A. And Cronin did kind of peel the curtain back on this uh, in a press conference a couple of weeks ago where he basically said other organizations before the CJ, before the, the Powell-Covington trade were saying that we're not going to give you anything because we know you were up against it on the salary cap line. You are going to be a repeater. There is zero reason for us to give you any bit of leverage regardless of what personnel you're sending out. And there's two things I want to kind of address with that. One... That's a real thing that you see in in the NBA world. I don't think that gets discussed enough. Number two, the value or inherent non-value of Norman Powell's five-year deal as it was seen around the league. Yeah, the value of his deal, I think, was mixed and checkered. I mean, some people thought, I remember when when it got signed, some people were like, oh, you know, he's not that old. He's 28, I believe, Mm -hmm. off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, that Uh, that, that, year 32 contract year, you're like, meh. It's not great, but not not terrible. Exactly, but I mean, the cap will always be rising. You know, who's to say he's a two way? I mean, there's a reason the Clippers wanted to go get him, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was always a thought that it was a tradable deal. So I mean, it got dealt. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie's deal and Davis Bertans' deal got dealt too. So like <laughs> clearly, you know, creative teams can find a deal when necessary. Sure. Um, but I I think yeah, when you think Norman Powell, I think the average fan's perspective of what his trade value should be. 
is probably a bit lower than what it was in actuality. Um, you know, the second you start to get into a lucrative contract and maybe the guys, you know, approaching 30 and, you know, he, I don't know, it just the sticker shock of, wow, he's got that sure. much money on him. It, it starts to actually increase once as the long, as long as the, the longer the sticker is on, it starts to look worse. If that makes sense. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like Duncan Robinson's deal all of a sudden, you know, people are talking about that as being a bad contract. And like, honestly, I think it's 18 million average annual value, like for a shooter who's still in his twenties, like that's going to be buddy. He'll just got dealt to the Pacers. You know, like there's always going yeah. to be, he's a shooter. It's always going to be trade value there. So, um, but yes, I, I do think to answer your question, I think you're, what you were kind of getting at, I think his value was a bit, it was definitely lower than when it was at last year's de- trade deadline. When like a dozen teams are looking at Norm Powell, there were not many teams yes. looking at Norm Powell really. Uh, I mean, I was also told from teams they were kind of surprised the Blazers moved so quickly and they hadn't really engaged with Portland that, that much mm-hmm. um, at that point in time, at least seriously. I mean, there certain teams also operate in different ways, being that they don't really seriously engage trade talks until that Tuesday. And if, if a deal happens on the Friday before, um, so be it. So uh, I don't know. I'm rambling now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's the intricacies of the trade deadline and, and how the ebbs and the flows of the season and how things can suddenly change. And I think the Blazers went in with a very, very different plan under Joe Cronin. That's again, I, I wanted to do, I wanted you to cover kind of all of that from outside of my realm to frame this this situation that Trailblazers find themselves in this summer. They do have the cap space. They are going to have at least their lottery pick. They are not they are not giving that pick to the Bulls. That is not happening. We can we can count that. We can put that one up on the board. That's going to be a top 10 pick. That Pelicans pick with the stranger protections on it. Uh, obviously one through four and then outside of lottery. So five through 14 this year. If it doesn't convey this year, it's a Minnesota 2025 first round pick that is protected to the top four. Which, again, it's a little bit strange to have another pick that falls off for two years and then comes back. I think that's the first time I've ever seen that. With As far as mm-hmm. the there's not consecutive year protections, it falls away and then comes back, which, again, we'll get into that another time. But let's say that, that for Portland's sake, one of those, their, their inherent pick lands in the top four. That's their, their That's what they're hoping for. They're hoping to be the Toronto Raptors this year. They're hoping to get that... 40% chance at the sixth sixth worst record in the NBA of getting a top four pick. And let's say that that Pelicans pick falls inside the lottery, whether it's 10 or 14, I don't care. But they, they potentially have a top four pick and a top 14 pick. And they have cap space. One of the guys they went after at the deadline that they wanted to, they wanted it to have something shiny to show the fan base, hey, we, we have a plan. They went after Jeremy Grant. And they went after him harder than anybody else. But the Pistons... Don't really have any reason to move him. They didn't. Need, they didn't need to force him out. They're not in any kind of salary cap situation where it's a. It's good for them to move him before the season. They're under the cap. They. They. They're going to have more salary cap space than God. Like they're. They're set. But the Portland Trailblazers have shown a lot of interest in him more than anybody so far. But that's not the only guy that they're looking at, and it's not. They're not putting all their eggs in that one basket. When you're looking at this franchise right now. What do you look at as far as their timeline this summer? What are they gearing up to do? What are they? What are the possible possible avenues that they could chase? And I know we don't know anything with the playoffs and what teams fizzle out and what happens or something goes sideways. But but generically speaking, frame the summer and why all of what Portland is doing right now makes sense or doesn't from your point of view. I mean, it makes sense, being that like we talked about with Dame being in place. 
the ultimate goal of this team is to create a championship contending team around him, being that you want to keep Damian Lillard in market. I mean, skeptics and cynics will say you want to, because you want to keep Damian Lillard in market to have your team be very sellable after the new TV deal kicks in. Um, but to bring it more, to bring it more into the trees and not the forest, um, you know, there's a conventional wisdom that would suggest that landing a star free agent, not necessarily even a, an all like an all NBA type guy, but an all star caliber player, it's easier to land one when you can land two. Um, and that seems to be what Portland's loftiest aspirations are for this summer, being that. Yes, I, I as as you said, as I've written, you know, Jeremy Grant seems to be a pretty primary target there. Um, there's an obvious connection between him and Damian Lillard from their time at Team USA. I, mean, I definitely know we talked this off air, but I definitely do know that um, they've had conversations in the past. Um, those two guys that wanted to play with each other, and yes. those are the type of guys that Dame has voiced his interest in. You know, Aaron Gordon was a guy he really wanted to play with. Jalen Brown was someone that he know he mentioned as a guy he wanted to play with. So Jeremy Grant is right among that tier of a rangy kind of wing switchable defender. I don't necessarily know what other piece they can get. I don't know what other free agent is going to look at the Blazers and Jeremy Grant joining Dean and be like, okay, I want to be the third guy to that. I don't know who that's going to be this summer. I don't know if that guy will even, you know, be there this summer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So a lot's up in the air, but they've at least, like you said, they've cleared the deck to do stuff like that. Um, and I mean, who's to say this guy's calling me back that I was supposed to call earlier. Um, I'll call him in two minutes, but yeah, who's to say that they, they won't, they, they won't have an attractive offer. Um, when that opportunity comes along, I'll get you out of here on this. Yusuf Nurkic is a guy who's an unrestricted free agent right now. When I, there's been discussions around the league, and I have not been able to narrow down what his market looks like. Have you seen anything at all or heard anything at all that narrows down the brackets of what Yusuf Nurkic should or could expect this summer? Honestly, I don't have an answer for you, being that I kind of haven't checked in on the situation, being that the fact that he was taken off the table pretty clearly, and he's represented by Clutch Sports, <laughs> who represents Chauncey Phillips' as coach, uh-huh. seemed to be... No, pretty simpatico situation, and I, I mean, I just think he's going back to Portland, right? Yeah. Um. So I don't really know what his market for his number should be because it seems like they might already have a number in mind. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you. Thanks for joining us, folks. This is Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report, uh, author of Built to Lose: How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. I've got a copy. Get yourself a copy, Jake. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. I know you're a busy man. We'll get you out of here. You take care, brother. And we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, Dan. Take hey, care, thank man. You, man. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.